reading now two passages of Scripture. But I'll confess up front, this is not going to be an exegetical treatment of one passage, but we'll be following some themes through Scripture and looking at many verses. But uh, let us begin with the reading of uh, Psalm 66. Not the whole psalm, but uh, beginning at verse 13, reading to the end of Psalm 66. The psalmist is giving thanks that when he was in dire trouble, the Lord heard his prayer, or even prayers, and delivered him. So that's the nature of what we're reading. Beginning at verse 13, this is the word inspired by the Holy Spirit. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows, thank offerings, I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips have uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals and the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened. He has presented, he has attended, attended to, my, to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. And we say amen with the psalmist. And then from Luke 18, again, I realize we read this several weeks ago when I was with you, but now in a different connection. Uh, Luke 18, uh, verses 9 through 14. He meaning Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, Be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will himself be exalted. We end the reading of God's word there. Let us pray together. Our Father, our ears have heard your word. And we pray that we may hear indeed 
that your Holy Spirit would open our, the ears of our understanding, of our hearts, to write your word on the tablets of our heart, to move us to confess sins we need to confess, to repent of anything for which we ought to be repenting, to grow in uh, the grace of earnest and faithful and effective prayer to the glory of your great name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my favorite verses in the Psalms, and one I use often when talking to people who are grieving and sorrowing, is Psalm 145, verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. That's an important qualifier, if you will. Uh, And what does it mean to call upon God in truth? Well, certainly it means to call upon him in such a way that we are in agreement with his revealed truth. We're not attributing to him the attributes of Baal or some other false god, or presuming upon him in ways that are not scriptural. But it also certainly means that we are truthfully opening our heart to God in our prayer and not being deceitful to him in our prayers. Now, we come to the psalm that we read, Psalm 66. And in that psalm, the psalmist, uh, who does not identify himself, The psalmist says that God heard his prayer and delivered him. And he summons us to come and learn from his experience. And uh, in particular, he says in verse 18, If I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. You heard those words. Uh, Now, maybe you've already thought this through an earlier time in your Christian life, so nothing to struggle with there. But do they bother you a little? (laughs) Uh, Because we could easily interpret that to mean, if I'm having any sinful thoughts, if there's any sin resident within me while I'm praying, then God's not going to hear my prayer. Now, if that's the case, can any of us pray and hope God will hear us and answer in grace? Do we have to thoroughly purge ourselves of all sinful thoughts before we can call upon God in prayer that he will receive as a father receives the prayers of children he loves? Now, that's an absurd conclusion in a way because God commands us to pray over and over and he knows full well that we're not going to be without sin until we are perfected in his presence, not in this life. He commands his children to to pray in spite of the fact that we are sinful. There's only one person, only one person in all history 
who could come before God and say, My hands are clean, my heart is pure. Everything I speak to you, Lord, my Father comes without any sin. And that's the beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. So, God tells us to pray. And he hears our prayers as he heard the prayer of the psalmist. So a few things about prayer, preliminary things about prayer. First, prayer is not like going online to order products or sending this time of year. Children don't do this anymore, do they? Sending your Christmas list to the North Pole. Uh, Praying is talking to the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth. The holy and righteous God and the savior of his people. But there is a a majesty and an awesomeness about God that we certainly must be aware of and respect in our prayers. More than that, Prayer is drawing near to God, who is the source of all good, to lay our hearts bare to the God who already thoroughly knows everything in our hearts and who has laid his heart bare to us in the giving of his Son, Jesus Christ, and the promise of his forgiving love to all who turn to him in faith. So, some maybe admonitions, applications, clarifications. First, in your praying, be honest with God about your sins. God knows the truth about you, Completely. And trying to conceal that truth is both folly, because it's impossible, and it's a great offense against God, because it's treating him like a fool. I may be able to fool you by sounding pious and wonderful, (coughs) but you don't know my heart. I'm not going to fool God who knows me to the depth of my being. And so I think Psalm 66, 18 refers to the kind of self-deceiving practice of hiding unrepentant sin under a cloak of pious praying. And we see that illustrated by the Pharisee in the parable our Lord told in Luke 18. Uh, He is thanking God for things that I I think he prides himself in. (laughs) Uh, That he's not like sinful people, not even like this ick tax collector. And okay, I just blanked. (laughs) It happens when you get to be my age. Uh, Where is it? Luke 18? There we are. Uh, yeah, he's, he's grateful to God 
that he's not like Simpson. Oh, yeah, and then he brags. He brags to God about uh, all the fasting he does and the tithes he gives and, and, and so on. So he's quite pleased with himself, and the intro to the parable is Jesus told this parable uh, to some, to some, he's directing it, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Uh, And God says of the Pharisee, Jesus says of the Pharisee at the end of the parable, uh, God didn't receive his prayer. He was wasting his words. So I say, God knows you, he knows me, through and through. It's impossible to fool him. Uh, Psalm 33 uh, reminds us that uh, the God who made us looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of men. Uh, He who sits enthroned looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. Romans 2.16, the apostle says, On the last day, God will judge the secrets of people's hearts. I love Psalm 136, maybe you do too, where the psalmist says, I thought I had it printed out, I'll have to actually open my Bible and look at it. Oh, here it is. Uh, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in before and behind and lay your hand upon me. Now that could be a very terrifying passage of Scripture. But it's not terrifying to children of God who truly humble themselves before him, who truly ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, to reveal to us uh, where we need to be asking forgiveness and repenting, uh, to give us eyes of faith to see Christ and all that he has done so that we are coming to God with honesty about our sins and with trust in his saving work in Christ. We don't need to be afraid of the fact that God knows us through and through in that case. But God does see through the camouflage of false piety. Our Lord, again, in a confrontation with the Pharisees, uh, quoted Isaiah 29, 13. He said, you draw near to God with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. God knows when we are just saying words and when those words are an expression of what is in our hearts. Proverbs 28, uh, verse 9, is, uh, I think, pretty stark and needs to be taken seriously. He who turns away his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Uh, so we don't want to be going through the motions of piety unless we're being honest with God about what is truly in our hearts, what has truly been the work of our hands, what has truly come out of our 
mouths for which we need to seek his grace and mercy. But he forgives sins honestly and humbly confessed. Again, Proverbs, this time chapter 28. uh, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. We have the testimony of David in Psalm 32 that while he was trying to hide his sin, God laid his hand on him. He was miserable. He was miserable right down to the bones in his body, feeling sick and and exhausted uh, day after day until he says in verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And that moves him to begin this psalm, Psalm 32, saying, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That is, Nothing like what David was doing when he tried to be silent about his sin and hope God wouldn't see it. And we have our Lord's promise in Luke 18. Same parable, not the Pharisee this time, but the tax collector who beat on his chest, would not lift his eyes to heaven, confessed, O Lord, Have mercy on me, the sinner. I don't know why the ESV doesn't translate it that way because it's in the Greek. Have mercy on me, the sinner. And Jesus says, he's the one. He's the one who went to his house justified, not the other. For all who humble themselves will be exalted. On the theme of being honest with God in our prayers, another point I would make is be honest with God about what is in your heart, not necessarily just of your sins, but what is in your heart. Uh, You know, prayer is not like a job interview or running for office or impression is so important. When you you go in for that job interview with the uh, HR guy, you want to look as good as possible and, uh, and hope that when he calls your references, they won't tell the whole truth. <laughs> uh, but praying is not that way, is it? Uh, we can bear our hearts to God and we don't need to dress up our desires uh, with lofty pieties that will make them seem less, well, self-centered. <laughs> Uh, We can be completely honest with God about the desires of our heart and uh, we don't need to pray with with interns. I used to say, quit using preacher speak when you you pray before the congregation. Uh, You don't have to imitate the 17th century Puritans for God to want to hear your prayer. You can just 
speak to God with humility, with reverence, with thankfulness, but speak as you would speak as a human being. Uh, So we don't need to pretend greater faith or greater virtue when we bring our desires before God in prayer. Uh, And I so often think of the man uh, who came to Jesus. Uh, Our Lord had been up on on the mountain, transformed, Uh, Peter, James, and John had seen a foreshadowing of his heavenly glory. And now they've come back down, and a man comes to them and says, your disciples, the other disciples, uh, I brought my son to them, and they couldn't cast the demon out of him. This demon uh, throws him on the ground, throws him in the fire, uh, apparently trying to destroy him or kill him. And and Jesus, and he says... uh, if you, can, if you can help him. <laughs> and Jesus says, if, if you believe, if you believe all things are possible. And the man says, I do believe, but what? Help my unbelief. Yes. We never, we never come before God with, a perfect, per, with perfect faith. Uh, and God doesn't demand that of us. Now, James warns us about being double-minded, sort of going to God with our prayer, but hedging our bets with (laughs) a plan B, just in case God doesn't come through. Uh, But we can be like the, the, the Father in that event. I do believe. Help my unbelief. You may be struggling with the goodness of God, in his providential plan for your life, wondering what in the world a God who loves you is is doing with with what's happening in your life or the life of people you love. Why why has this child we love, why has God taken him? Uh, You may be struggling with God's promises, but you know, you can't shock God if you're, if you're doubting God's goodness and faithfulness, he already knows that. And you can't shock him by telling him, Lord, I'm really struggling to understand your goodness and your faithfulness. Or as the psalmist says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? That's pretty audacious, isn't it? And yet the Holy Spirit put that in the psalmist's mouth to write in the Bible to do what? To encourage us to be honest with God when we go to him in prayer. Now, what makes all this possible? That we can be honest with God about our sins, and he promises if we are humble before him and honest in our confession, that he will forgive our sins. That Imperfect though we are and fall short though we do, we can bear our hearts to God in prayer and he will not mock us or scorn us or drive us away as unworthy of his love and care. Well, what makes this possible, of course, is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is not like the Old Testament priests who offered sacrifices on behalf of Israel 
and then had to offer sacrifices for themselves as well. And I don't know what the end was leading to. Uh, We read at the end of Hebrews 4, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence, and here's where I like the King James, with boldness, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When do we need mercy? When justice would undo us, that's when we need mercy. In other words, when we have sinned, we need mercy. And God dispenses mercy from his throne of what? His throne of grace. That throne from which he looks down from heaven and sees all the children of men and judges many. But not his children when we come to him humbly confessing. Because Jesus is at his right hand. Never failing to intercede. Jesus who poured out his life as an atonement for sin on the cross, was raised from the dead, is passed through the heavens into the presence of the Father, now carries out in all all the fullness of his being the work of our priest, always interceding for his children. He knows what it is to be tempted. And so he is compassionate on the children of God whom he came to save. Now, that's unlike us, or often unlike us. Uh, There may be somebody who's gone through a lot of trouble in life, but, you know, they got their act together, they pulled everything together, and, uh, and they overcame all the obstacles, and now they're a big success. And then... You're going through the same troubles and you think, well, if I go to that person, he'll understand he's been there. So you go to that person, you unburden yourself, and he looks at you and says, well, pull yourself together, man. I did. So where are you now? You feel worse than you did before. (laughs) But Jesus doesn't make us feel that way. He understands our weaknesses because he was weak. Now, he wasn't weak in a sinful nature. But temptations that came to him were serious temptations. And he understands what it is to be weak. And so we can go to God through Christ for forgiveness, for mercy, and we can go to God through Christ for help. We need help when we're being tempted and feel our weakness. And know that we need the work of the Holy Spirit to get us through it, honoring God and not dishonoring him. That's the work of Christ, our Redeemer, our priest. That's the work of the Holy Spirit.
And so we can be honest with God in our prayers and not fear that he will respond without grace. We can pray with David at the end of Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and try my heart and lead me in the way everlasting. Never need to be afraid to pray that God would try your heart and lead you in the everlasting way. Let us pray. Our Father, you make clear in your word that you hate sin and iniquity, and yet we are full of sin and iniquity in our words, in the thoughts of our hearts, and in our actions. But you have brought us to yourself, you have brought us to your Son, Jesus Christ. And if there are any present who have heard these words and yet are not looking to you through faith in Christ, Lord, please conquer their hearts, press upon them the assurance of your promises of grace, that have been sealed in his blood and the power of your salvation revealed in his resurrection. But for all of us, O Lord, help us to be honest before you about ourselves because you've made clear to us in your word that this is the way that we receive mercy and receive help from you for Jesus' sake. We pray in his name. We give thanks in his name. Amen.